0: You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Today, our guest is Kim Addis. Kim is president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and creator of Journal Engine Software, which we're going to hear a little bit more about. Kim has been my coach at various times in history. So just to let the audience know, Kim and I have known each other for a while, and I'm really excited to have her on the program. She's a great coach, has some great ideas, has gone through a great journey, and I'm really excited to have the conversation today. Kim, welcome to the program. Thank you. I'm super excited to have this conversation (laughs) with you. I've been
1: Eager, waiting for it for a
0: while. I know, I know. So just to let the audience know a little bit more about you, professional background, about Frame of Mind, about Journal Engine, why don't you just, I'll give you a second, kind of tell your story. What what has been your journey?
1: Okay. So, I mean, I run this coaching company called Frame of Mind Coaching. We have a team of 10 coaches plus me. I started it about 14, yeah, 14 years ago. And when I first started it, it was just me. And the idea was, I think I could do a better job of coaching than what exists out there. Let me give it a try. And when I first started, I thought, how do I really truly make a difference in people's lives? I thought, what I really wanted to do is get into their heads and understand how they think and how their thinking impacts everything they do, everything they don't do, everything that they want to build in their lives, their relationships, their career, their financial situation. How do I get in there and really understand how they're wired? And so I decided from the get-go to ask them to start journaling In an online journal. And at the time, like, first of all, I'm not a technical person. So we use this, you know, you've heard of Blogger, it's just a Mm -hmm. blogging software. And I didn't know how to put it together. So I had to hire someone to help me make it happen. And I started coaching people. And what I shortly realized soon thereafter is that journaling was really paramount to the impact that I could have in coaching. So I started seeing that when people write their stories, they tell you what's going on in their brains. They tell you their beliefs. They mm-hmm. share with you their perspectives, their values. They open up in ways that I've never seen before in any other format. Yeah. The problem is after maybe, I don't know, nine months of using Blogger, <laughs> I was coaching this one gentleman and his wife who is – fairly technical, hacked into his journal and read his journal. And the journal happened to mention her and Mm -hmm. say some pretty ugly things about his wife. And when he told me my wife read my journal, I had a heart attack. Like I literally, my heart went into my stomach and I was not feeling well that day. Mm -hmm. And I thought, this can't be like, I just, this can never happen again. And that's when I decided to build a piece of software called Journal Engine That was designed to allow people to journal in a very safe and secure bulletproof environment. Mm -hmm. So we built this software. And again, the trigger for that was how do we make sure that our clients and their content and their personal thoughts, dreams, whatever fears are completely and utterly protected and safe. So that's how the journey started. And slowly over time, we started coaching more people, more executives, more entrepreneurs, more people. And at one point early on in the game, I coached this one gentleman. Actually, I think you know him. His name is Dave. Mm-hmm. And, and let me back up. I coached groups at first. Why did I coach uh, groups? Because yeah. I thought to myself, what are we going to talk about for a whole hour? <laughs> right? If I coach a group and everyone talks for five minutes, then the hour will pass. And then one day I came across this guy named Dave, Dave Gorham, mm-hmm. and he said, "I want you to coach me one on one." And inside I was a little nervous because what are we going to talk about a whole hour now, right? Mm-hmm. And, but I, I agreed to coach him, and he was knocked off his feet. Like he loved it so much, he kept he kept saying, "I hate you, I hate you," <laughs> and the reason he hated me was because we we're really making. An important impact, right? Like he was seeing himself in ways that he had never seen himself before. So after that, you know, he said, I'm really interested in learning more. What's the next step? And I said, Well, why don't you kind of follow me around? Why don't you co coach some things with me? I'm still coaching groups. Why Mm -hmm. don't you coach a group with me? And what he did was he shadowed me and basically I trained him how to coach. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, like I didn't know, I was just kind of, I didn't have a system. Really, I didn't know how I knew how to coach. I just knew how to coach, if that makes any sense. The moment you have to teach someone how to coach is the moment you have a system.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Very interesting. And so he became the first component of building a system of training people how to coach.
0: There's two pieces in there that are I think are really interesting. I think let's talk about Journal Engine in a little bit because I think that's a – a whole area of how you develop intellectual property. And I'm sure there's a whole story. I know there's a whole story and, and things we can learn there. But I think that the interesting thing for me, just from a business point of view or from a strategy point of view, is this whole idea of introducing this idea of journaling, I think for you know for you as very much as a, as a tool to better coaching, but it also becomes a differentiator at some point, you know, in terms of you know going into this coaching market with lots and lots of different coaches. How, how much do you feel like the, the journaling side of it served as a way of clients or prospects differentiating you from other types of coaches out there? And how much of it was just a tool that you were using to, to do the coaching that you were doing?
1: Yeah, so that's a very interesting question. The journal created a process, mm-hmm. right? What did the journal actually do? The journal definitely allowed us to be more equipped to coach more effectively and have a much, much greater impact. So that's Thing number one. So hands down, I don't understand how coaches coach without a journal. But Mm -hmm. that's a whole other story. So number one, we were better coaches because we were using journaling. Number two is because the clients were journaling every single day, we established a whole different kind of relationship with those clients. It was much more intimate. It was much more personal. Right? When you talk to anybody every day, that relationship builds. And my philosophy is without the relationship, it's really hard to make a dent in anybody's life so relationship is paramount to coaching yeah number three number three and this is really important is that when clients start to journal they start to reflect they start to look at themselves they start to do the heavy lifting the work that's required to change right so you can journal by yourself when you do it with a guide you're accelerating your pace so by itself journaling has a massive, massive impact. And so it it really helped us to describe the philosophy, the approach. So your question is, was it a differentiator? In and of itself, it wasn't the differentiator. What it did for us created the differentiation. What it did for us was say, hey, here's our approach to coaching, which is different from accountability-based coaching, for example, mm-hmm. or the kind of coaching you do, which is you know, business strategy, that type of coaching. So you're able to say we are a different kind of coach, but, and here's the process and here's why this process works. And so I think that a lot of times when a client comes to the table, they want to know if they're in good hands. So when you have a process in place that's backed up by testimonial and testimonial, testimonial, and it's backed up by logic and yeah, that totally not only intellectually makes sense, but it resonates for me at a purely emotional level, that's what makes a client say, yes, I feel like this is going to make a big, huge difference in my life. Yeah. So it's a combination of things, really.
0: Well, the other one, I hadn't quite thought of this before, but there's an element of leverage in here, too. So it's, it's not just the time you're spending, you know, on the call with the client, but it's the, the time they're spending with the software, with the journal, and now your impact is much broader or, or much more, you know, it's leverage. You have a lot more sort of essentially time with the client because they're interacting with the journal, which is essentially interacting with you in a way. So you're more present in the process without having to literally spend the time in it. So this this leverage idea is quite interesting.
1: Well, so they're spending time with you by journaling. Mm-hmm. But when your coaches are super well equipped to deal with those journals, yeah. now you have groundbreaking yeah. territory. Yeah. Right? Like... Now your impact is, to me, on a whole other level.
0: Yeah. The other thing I was curious about is to what extent did it kind of make clear to you who you really wanted to coach or who you could coach well, or or what you know what your sort of target was? Because I think a lot of times in early you know early businesses, particularly service businesses, there's a little bit of a chasing money problem. Like everyone's going kind to of going out just finding finding clients that are willing to pay, and then we'll just kind of figure out how to adopt our services to whatever they want. Did did you see um, or I guess at what point uh, and in what way did you start to see, hey, these were going to be good clients. these were not so good clients, and you actually you know were able to start weeding them out or filtering them through the process so that you got people that you knew you could have more impact with.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll be honest and say it took us way too long to yeah. figure that out. <laughs> yeah. um, and why? Because we felt like we were impacting all the clients, and we saw the impact, like it was dramatic, right? So, we were like, let's just coach people. Yeah. And how and how would we coach people? You know, how would we get our clients? I in the early days, I'd be on every single podcast known to man. <laughs> yeah. And so those podcasts would drive leads. Those leads would turn into sales. Yeah. But we saw that there's a difference between clients, and so we started to say, who's our ideal client? Not only the client who does the work, who gets in and does the journaling and is completely committed to the process, but the client who then stands on the rooftops and shares it with everybody else, right? The client who partners with us and understands that this is not just a short journey that they're on. This is a lifetime journey. And I don't mean from the perspective of being a client, but from the perspective of committing themselves to personal development from here on in. So it was a certain character certain personality. What we discovered was that the best clients were those that were extremely driven. They happen yeah. a lot of them happen to be entrepreneurs, executives, like the highly accomplished population. Yeah. And meanwhile, I was sitting on podcasts like, you know, things about romance and love. And that had nothing to do, like those were not the clients.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, so I could certainly talk about romance and love because it affects every single one of my clients. But that's not the client who's gonna be fitting the category. So it took us a while to figure that out because I'm like, okay, it's another podcast. What's the big deal? It's, you know, 35, 40 minutes of my time, mm-hmm. not a problem. But the problem came in is we're wasting so many hours sorting through yeah. all these leads that really weren't a good match. Yeah. So it took us a while. And finally, when we got there, we said, okay, we're letting all of that stuff go. All the stuff that's not a match all the speaking engagements that are not a match, all the audiences that are not a match, goodbye.
0: Yeah. And it, that's a, I mean, that's a huge realization, a huge process to go through. I mean, I, the, I think the kind of the problem is, is that most people think about it as, well, who can I help rather than who can help me? Like who, who is the best client for me in terms of the growth of the business not just who can I be of service to? And it's a, it's a shift, you know, it's a, it's a shift in a way of thinking that at some level you need to kind of you need to be able to get the business going to a certain point where you can start even asking the question. But once you do, it really does change things and it changes where you spend your time. Where do you invest? Where do you fish? Like, What, what places do you know have a high concentration of your ideal customer and how do I continue to focus on those areas?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a very important thing. And, and you know, for us, one of the determining factors was when we coach leaders, there's a trickle down effect. Right. So they're like, oh my God, you need to coach my wife, or oh my God, you need to coach 10 of my people underneath. Mm -hmm. And while that's lucrative financially, it also has an impact in the world, which excites me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. That turns me on. Yeah. So the idea that if we can coach one person who has influence and impact, even if we don't coach anybody else, but that person, he or she becomes a better parent, I'm a happy person.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of what does that client end up doing for you and for your purpose for the bigger impact you want to have on the world. It's interesting, actually, when I do do a kind of a customer journey map with clients and a lot of those times they kind of end at, okay, successful engagement. One of the things I do is we extend it out to, you know, advocate and promoter for the company. And so we got to actually think longer than just I won the account. To what does it take to get me to the point where they become my biggest advocate and they're actually a lead generator for me. And, and when you start looking at that level, you can have a lot of other filters that come into play and, and, and things that questions that come up in terms of who do we really want to put in that funnel? Because it goes to your point. It's ultimately, they become the vehicles by which you're going to get more clients and the, by which you're going to have impact in the world.
1: Right. Like look at you as a client. You are a great advocate. Like one of the best advocates I've ever encountered. (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) And to your point is that finding the people that not only are going to do the work, but have, you know, kind of are highly successful, but are still driven and still motivated and want to continue to change. I think that's certainly in the people that I've referred and the people that I know that have done well in the program, you know, have that kind of mentality. And it's It is a very particular type of person. And to your point, you could help a lot of people. There's a lot of people out there with challenges and things they're trying to achieve that you could have a lot of impact with. But are they going to really serve you well? Given the limited time and energy you have, you know, to serve X number of people, how do you how do you make that concentration very high? Right.
1: And the other part of it is just pure messaging. Right. So like, how do you determine or express what you do when you're diluted? It's very difficult. Yeah. Right. So then you end up doing not enough for nobody in particular. Yeah. So you need to get concentrated so that not only your revenue grows and your business grows so that your impact grows and so mm-hmm. that you're truly clear about what you do and who you serve.
0: Yeah. Are there anything I'm just kind of curious to help of listeners that are kind of in this mode of, hey, I'm, I've got a, a decent business. I'm I'm working with lots of different people, but I kind of feel the need to concentrate or to, to kind of be more targeted in who I serve. Any particular questions or, or things that you discovered during that process, uh, insights that would help them kind of figure out, given their list of clients, who would they start to look at or how would they look at their current client base and, and identify the ones that, are, that really should have focus and really can be the key clients for the next generation of their business?
1: Yeah. If you look at your list of clients, you look at, you know, who is the best client, who, Mm -hmm. in other words, who pays the best, who, who responds the best, who, like, I mean, we're in the service business. So who does the work, who engages the most, who's most present, who journals for me, right? Like, so who's there, who's interacting the most, who's the most responsive, and then who's the most lucrative, right? Which one makes sense for you to spend more time with? Who's the most fun, who are you growing from like for me i want to spend time with the highly driven population why cuz that's who's fun for me like yeah. that's who i want to learn from as well and so so all those those components add up to say who do i want to spend time with in this world and and who you know who out there is easy to spend time with? Who's it fun to spend yeah. time with? Who is adding to my business rather than draining from my business? So, I mean, those are some of the questions you want to ask.
0: Yeah, and I like that kind of the the energy flow analysis, I think, it's something people don't think about. But, yeah, you when you finish a conversation or when you finish a meeting or when you finish a program with them, you know, where are you? Are, are you drained and need to recover and you know kind of have to put the wheels back on the cart? Or are you ready to get out there and do more? Can't wait to do the next one? I think it's a good indicator. I think people don't don't focus enough on kind of their internal energy states in terms of what does success look like here. So
1: I think it's critical. I think it's critical. I remember, you know, again, Dave was one of my well, he was my first one-on-one client. Yeah. And I remember getting off the phone going, Man, I'm an awesome coach. Right? <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, those interactions told me I'm on the right path, Yeah. right? So, you know, when you're on the right path, you get off a phone call or whatever, and you feel a little high. That means you're on the right path.
0: Yeah. Any, any um, thoughts on how, how to say no, or how to politely, but effectively turn away the ones that maybe are not the best process? How, How do you how do you deal with yeah, that? Yeah,
1: very simply. I don't think we're we're a good fit for you. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think we would serve you well. Yeah. I think here's another option for you that's a better match for your needs. Yeah. You know, like I have lots of people who want strategic coaching. Yeah. Right? They want they want someone to hold them accountable. If that's what you want, I'm not for you. That's yeah. not the right fit. Like you're gonna be disappointed. So I wanna make sure I I wow you every time. And so if you're looking for X and we're delivering Y you know, there's a bit of a gap there. Yeah. So I have no problem at all saying if this is what you're looking for, we're not the ones to deliver it.
0: Yeah. And, and I like that sort of mindset of I'm not serving this person the best that, that someone can serve them by taking them on a client, even though I could probably help them. I'm not the best fit for them. So for them, for their sake, I should be making another introduction or having them talk to another coach. I think that's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about Journal Engine, because I think that, um, you know, when we look at growing service-based businesses, we're looking at, you know, how do I scale and how do I, you know, scale staff, but but also this, how, how do I create tools, technology, IP, you know, thing, things that can uh, create uh, users, create customers, create revenue for me that, uh, you know, can, can make money while I sleep kind of idea. So, and, and software is a big one, you know, creating, uh, you know, some kind of software. Based product or you know product or or, or service uh, type of offering. I guess tell us about what Journal Engine does today, and then let's talk a little bit about the journey it's gone through.
1: Yeah, so Journal Engine is basically a software that allows people to journal in a safe and secure environment. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what it is in a nutshell. And it was designed initially for the use of coaches. Mm-hmm. So coaches were going to use it with their clients in a way where they could give their clients, let's call it a journaling assignment, a homework assignment, a journaling prompt, something like that. They would journal and their journal would go back to their coach. And then we incorporated groups. And then we incorporated, hey, some coaches want to use it in a self-guided manner. They don't want to have to read and respond to every single journal. And so we just started adding a lot of bells and whistles and features Mm -hmm. to this product. And we started licensing it out to other speakers, coaches, trainers, even corporations, Mm -hmm. membership groups like EO. Uh, there's a group in yeah. uh, New York that's using it right now. Yeah. And so really our approach has been to say, Hey, journaling in and of itself is a game changer. There are lots of ways that you can use it. Let's try to accommodate all those ways. We're at a point right now, actually, where mm-hmm. we're overhauling the software, mm-hmm. you know, we have to be up to date and we're actually in the process of removing a lot of features Yeah. saying, okay, so what, you know, you know, the concept of MVP, yeah. minimum viable product, right? Yeah. Again, I'm learning as I go along to so say, what does it really need to have? And how can we make it work extremely well, very fast, very slick, very easy, user friendly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so we're moving into a place where we're creating it for the user, the end user more so than for yes, we're still licensing it out. When the end user is satisfied and happy, then the licensee is satisfied and happy. Yeah. And so our emphasis is a little different. We have a lot of high-end tech-savvy clients who looked at our software and said, this is a little dated. Yeah. It's clunky, it's slow. And so we've had to bring it up to date. And so we're very near lo- launching our Latest and greatest. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because how much do you invest in a piece of software (laughs) when your core business is is coaching? And so, you know, you ask about scalability, and yes, it does make money while we sleep because we license it out and there are fees that people pay on a monthly basis, but the fee is low compared to what we gain from coaching. So, where do you put your effort? Right. And so, for a while, we said, okay, great, we have all these licensees, fabulous, but Every time we gain 10 new licensees who are, you know, each paying whatever, $129 mm-hmm. a month, mm-hmm. we lose five. So what are we doing every month? Yeah. Not enough to make ends meet. So what we made a, a strategic decision at a certain point in time to completely focus on coaching because the the margins are bigger. Yeah. What, so what, the other thing we did was we created a certification program. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you talk about scaling. Yeah. And really, it came out of this desire, people would go through coaching and they'd go, wow, that was incredible, how do I learn to do that? How do I become a coach? Yeah. So we created this certification program exclusively for clients who have gone through coaching. Yeah. So we have a whole bunch of certified people out there in the world, some of them we pluck and keep for ourselves as frame of mind coaches. The rest we send back into the world to build their own coaching companies, or to become better leaders in their organizations. They just want to learn the frame of mind coaching method. So now there's there's something interesting going on. There's a revenue stream coming in from certification, right? Yeah. And, then, and then when now that we have extra coaches, I don't have to do all the coaches, coaching. Yeah. So we have a team of coaches. So now my job is how do we get them clients? <laughs>
0: so yeah, right? so that, that was going to be my next question, which is, you know, as as kind of founder and someone who's gone through the journey of kind of, you know, starting out kind of uh, coaching, developing your coaching methodology, you know, looking at the, the tools and stuff and actually serving clients to now having, uh, having clients at some level, having uh, this team of certified coaches, having the software system, what – what have you kind of had to learn or shift or grapple with in terms of your focus and your time and your energy? And how have you kind of navigated some of those decisions on, on where you allocate yourself?
1: Yeah. So what I discovered is that if I could get someone to replace myself, that's the best thing to do Mm -hmm. so that I'm always, always at all times looking to replace myself so that I can create space and time and energy really to go and focus on the next thing
0: yeah.
1: on elevating the company on solving the next problem. But if I am kind of bound up with things that someone else can do, it's not a good use of my time at all. Yeah. So over time, we've created more and more, we found more and more people who can replace me.
0: Yeah. Right? Wait, and, do you, and, any, any thoughts on where, where you have found them? Or have you seen a pattern or a source that has been particularly good?
1: Well, again, you know, the right, we have a team of coaches. So they've Mm -hmm. gone through coaching. Great. Now I have a series of classes I teach. One is in person, one is online, and I can see how they perform. So for me, my coaching standards are extremely high, but I can see how they're doing, how they're learning, how how they're picking up the concepts, how they coach others, how it comes to them either naturally, or maybe doesn't come to them at all. And so because I'm witnessing their performance, I can choose strategically on the coaching side of the equation. There are other equations where we failed, right? Like how do you how do you hire even mm-hmm. a junior person who can create content? Mm-hmm. Ah, I've I've hired many who have failed. Yep. Right. So how do we do that? And content creation is tough, very yeah. tough, because you want yeah. them to speak in your voice and yeah. etc. So. Now we've created a new system where the content that's created comes from a lot of our podcasts. Yeah. So it's not – they don't have to create anything. It's my content anyways. Yeah. They just have to produce it in some kind of usable format. Yeah. Right. So it's always about creating systems that work that make life easier for everybody.
0: Well, I right? like that so, idea that it's kind of um, – uh, there's a lot of uh, – kind of trial experimentation um, I mean it sounds like even the, sort of the, the coaching part of it is you have um, you know like a field team or a farm team that you're kind of working with and you kind of promote within there and, and it's a lot about having people do things evaluate what they're doing, finding talent, finding success, putting it to the next level, sort of growing that stuff. I think that's really hard for a lot of service-based businesses when you have founders who are sort of experts and they're looking to scale. Like, How do you find these people? And they go through a lot of drama in terms of going out and hiring somebody who thinks it's going to be amazing and they bring them in and three months later they're frustrated and nothing's working right.
1: I'm a big believer in dating before marriage. Mm -hmm. And so... I like the idea of trying things out on a small scale and seeing how that feels and then going to the next level and the yeah. next level and the next level, because, you know, you don't know if you're going to be compatible. And yeah. I think it's important. And, you know, also you want to measure risk, right? So now, mm-hmm. right now I'm on a new journey and a new scaling journey. And I'll share it with you.
0: Yeah,
1: Thanks. One of the, you know, over the time, how do you generate leads. What is the best way to generate leads? For me, it's always been through some kind of speaking engagement, whether it's live, whether it's a podcast, whether it's an interview, whether it's being on a panel, anything, it's always through a speaking engagement because they can hear my passion. They can hear my determination. They can hear what I do, how I do, why I do it. And then they go, you know what? I haven't heard anybody sound like her before. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in what she has to say. Okay. Okay. So the problem is there's only one Kim. How, you know, like how much of me can, I have five kids. I have life to live, right? I can't yeah. be everywhere. How many speaking engagements can a person humanly do? Yeah. It's exhausting, right? So I have decided to look for other speakers to represent us mm-hmm. in one form or another. That's another method of scaling. So there are lots of speakers out there who don't coach, there are lots of speakers out there who would love to serve their clients, but they're busy speaking, right? Like that's their career. That's how they make a living. Meanwhile, they're leaving a lot on the table because there's a whole audience that wants more from them and they can't deliver,
0: Yeah,
1: right? There's a lot of people in that boat. So how do I find those people who say, man, if only I could hand over these people to Kim and her team who already have an amazing track record and I feel completely comfortable in knowing that if I hand over my Audience, my Mm -hmm. client to Kim, that they're going to come back to me and say, Holy crap, that was the best thing I ever did in my life. So, those are the relationships I'm looking for, those are the relationships I'm building that's another way to scale. So again, I'm trying to replace myself.
0: Yeah. And that's an interesting one, because I think that, and I've seen, you know, many kind of businesses get to this point where the business is very much based on the kind of the the identity, the personality of the founder and, and their kind of vision and position. And as they shift to having to create a team around them of leaders, you know, they need to retain the important parts of that, but also let a certain amount of that shift as you bring in on new leadership. And, and I think at some level, there's a bit of a, an identity, you know, transition that you go through, you know, and figuring out, okay, look, I'm there's something here that's bigger than me personally, that I need to figure out how to Leverage and, and uh, share with others and communicate that effectively while not not getting too caught up in the ego side of it. And I think that's a it's an interesting and important transition, some of which not everyone makes. But I think if you can do it successfully, there's a lot of power in that and, and strength of the business, ultimately.
1: Right. And to be honest, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting a bit older mm-hmm. and you kind of go, hey, like I only have so much yeah. human capacity. I have more desire than I have capacity. So how do I fill my desire with someone else's capacity? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because you're like, like there's only so much I can humanly do. Yeah. So, yeah. but how do I do more with, yeah. with the resources in front of me?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. And I think it's a, it's a very noble kind of, you know, journey and, and challenge to, to grapple with because it is, it's kind of that existential, like, what's bigger than me and how do I make this thing bigger than just me personally? So kudos for you for, for getting to that point and, and grappling with it. And I'm, I'm sure you're going to be successful, but I'm curious to see how, how it all plays out. Um, I'll let you know. Yeah. We're, <laughs> we're at about time here. If, if people want to find out more information about you, about frame of mind, about journal engine, what's the best way to contact you and get more
1: info. So best, best thing to do is Mm -hmm. to come to our website, frameofmindcoaching.com. And on there, there's an opportunity to sign up for a complimentary coaching call. You start Mm -hmm. off by filling in an assessment. Mm -hmm. So do it. Why? Because when you can talk to someone who really looks at how you think and how your thinking impacts you, that conversation alone is a game changer. So, I mean, I can't emphasize that enough. You don't have to go on and do coaching, but just do that call. It'll make a big difference for you. So that's the best way to get to know us anyways, just to get a sample of what we do.
0: Perfect. And I'll make sure that the link are in the show notes here so people can go straight through, learn more about that. Kim, this has been a pleasure. I I always love chatting with you. This one has been particularly fun and and kind of getting to the details and understand where the business has gone and, and where it's going. It's exciting stuff.
1: Thanks, Bruce. And I always love talking to you.
0: Thanks. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt.